Yo, check this out. My name is Ezra Hill, and right now, I'm introducing you to my podcast. It's called Hill of Beans. It's a podcast about nothing and everything. My co-host Casey and I are going to be breaking down life from the perspective of two Midwestern middle-aged minds. We're not experts, just ordinary everyday people like you trying to navigate this vessel called life. And these waters can get rough. Our goal is to help keep you on course without having to abandon ship. So, I hope you'll enjoy our episodes. You just might find them inadvertently interesting and informative. And hopefully it'll amount to more than a hill of beans. Hey there, and welcome back to the Hill of Beans podcast. Uh, Or maybe this is your first time listening. If it's your first time, welcome. Uh, This is a podcast about nothing and everything. So, we cover a wide variety of topics and some serious, some not so serious, uh, but today is going to be uh, a serious topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the death penalty. Yeah. Right, Casey? Mm-hmm. And this was your idea uh, because you love controversy. Well, You love pushing mm-hmm. the envelope and dragging me into <laughs> it, right? You know, I just think that it's important to talk through. I don't love... Controversy. I like peace. Okay. So but rather than rather than get in, rather than stir up controversy, you're more about let's talk it out and find a solution. Or and I know that it seems impossible, but there's got to be a solution to me on these type of topics that do create such a divide and are controversial. So, you know, I just think I like these topics because it is interesting because the perspectives are so different and very widely. Uh, Based on a little bit of research I've done, around 64% of adults are in favor of the death penalty. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's more than half. Um, but, uh, it's a tough one because, uh, you know, it's, you're dealing with, in most cases, taking a a life for a life, Mm you know? Um, so I don't know. Yeah, there's always uh, mixed emotions about it, including myself. I'm a little undecided on on the topic, on on what way I would. Uh, I'm like not 100 percent one way or the other. I think there's a lot of details, and I, I think there's just a lot to it. The decision, the process, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's go out of the gate because you have a lot of information in your head because there is a lot that goes into the death penalty. It's not just that eye for an eye and somebody's going to die and there's nothing more to it. There's a lot more to it um, with the system and, and the cost and et cetera. But let's remove that and all those facts that you do know, okay? Mm-hmm. And what, oh, Why? Why remove the facts? Well, I want you to... No, I'm going to ask you a tough question. (laughs) Okay. If you didn't know everything you know that you dove into, and you... Something happened to... And I hate to say this. You know, I have children also. But say one of your children had... You know, somebody killed one of them intentionally. Mm -hmm. Where would you be in your first reaction to what should be happening to that person? Uh, well, yeah, that's, um, that's where I fall into the category of, yeah, 
kill that person or I'll do it myself mm-hmm. <laughs> if uh, something were to happen to my kids. That's like the one vulnerable area, you know, and, and probably with everyone, you know, when you when something happens to your kids, uh, you know, the first thing that comes to your mind, well, you're asking why, but also you're probably heavily uh, filled with rage and revenge. And um, so that's uh, that's difficult. Um and yeah, I, I think in that type of situation that where that's where it pushes me towards, yeah, death penalty mm-hmm. for that person. Right in that moment. Yeah. So I think I could picture you knowing you, you would probably be hunting the person down yourself. We would have to convince you to stay out of it. You would try and probably kill the person yourself. Mm-hmm. Um and if you couldn't get to him, you're going to pray somebody else can. And, and I can picture you being yeah. that heated if you didn't know everything else that you know. Yeah, it's a it's a really tough, sensitive situation because you're dealing, you know, like I don't know that there's anyone out there I love more than than my kids, obviously. Uh, you know, and, and I look at them because they're so, you know, they're I mean, they're teenagers now but uh they're still vulnerable they're still Mm -hmm. young they're still learning trying to understand life and uh so i view them as very innocent Mm -hmm. in a sense and uh that's the the part of the world that uh once that's that's one of the most critical things in life is when you're you know you're innocent growing up and then you start getting exposed to the evils of the world yeah and it's um just extremely difficult. I mean, it's difficult going through that process. You remember when we were teenagers and you, mm-hmm. you start dealing with that stuff. But then as a parent, when you see your kids starting to uh, see these things and deal with it, you know, it, it, it breaks your heart, you know, because you wish it wasn't that way. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I do try to hold myself into a certain standard in regards to uh, my religion because my religion teaches forgiveness and uh, not eye for an eye, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's very, very difficult um, when it comes to that type of situation. Yeah, I completely agree with the fact that you have to consider your, um, your, faith and your foundational belief, you know, what Jesus said. And, you know, cause I know me and you both have that, you know, we believe in God and we do have that as a foundation to us as people. And we're very passionate about that. I do have a tough question. Mm-hmm. There's, and there's something I find contradicting. And so I'm st- so take this with a grain of salt and I, I'm not sure how to address this topic, but something that keeps coming up is abortion mm. and death penalty. Okay. Mm. Some people are saying you should be able to do have an abortion and that same person does not agree with the death penalty. Mm. Now, I have a question for you. Do you believe that those are cohesive or totally two different things? Uh, is it God's decision who lives or dies or is it circumstantial? Well, according to 
probably my religion. It should be, it's God's decision. Consistent. But I don't necessarily think that God decides, hey, I want this person to be murdered. I think it's just part of God giving human beings the gift of free will. Uh, And, you know, probably if you're pro-life, you should probably be anti-death penalty. But you're also dealing with the fact that, you know, a baby is uh, innocent versus someone guilty of committing murder. Uh, So that's a factor you have to consider as well. Um, But, you know, and and I don't know exactly what the right answer is. And and when it comes to those types of things, I don't like to push my opinion on someone else because they disagree. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, probably if you have to pick a pick a something, it should probably be okay if you're anti-death penalty, then you should be pro-life. Yeah, I think that they're, they they would have to be consistent in thinking. And I don't yeah. want to get hung up on that, but it just keeps coming up yeah. when I'm reading. Mm-hmm. And, and I do see that if you're if you are pro-abortion, then you would be pro-death penalty. I see them as that they would be consistent. Now, I yeah. could be wrong here, but or if you're anti-abortion, you should be anti-death penalty. Yeah, I, I, you know, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, babies, they're looked at as innocent, obviously. Um, uh, but there is a factor with um, the death penalty that there are individuals on death row who are are innocent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's sort of where you, uh, you know, that's where a lot of this come. I think the controversy comes in is because it's been proven, you know, through DNA testing and, and things like that, where someone's been committed of a crime on, on death row and then a DNA study or a DNA test proves them innocent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, those are in regards to it's, you know, there's a lot of uh, political, um, a lot of political discussions and, and people are going to have different opinions on that. And I, and I respect all opinions when it comes to that. I'm, I'm pretty open-minded mm-hmm. to things. I definitely want to hear. I always want to hear both sides of the story, you know, where I, I'm not one to dig my heels in and be like, no, this is the way it is. And yeah. You're wrong. I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, and uh, when I was, looking into I've watched a lot of documentaries obviously surprise over the years even specifically about this and I think it's around like three percent of individuals on death row are probably innocent based on Mm -hmm. uh, the history because I think since like one study I looked at was since 1973 there's been around 190 people exonerated Mm-hmm. Uh, Through the Innocence Project, right? Well, not. I don't think all the Innocence Project. Maybe they were involved in some of them, but mm-hmm. I think just through appeals and DNA. DNA okay. has a lot to do oh, with Oh, yeah. Uh, so when you look at that, you think, man, freaking 190 people were on death row who were innocent? And how many more are there? Exactly. That's why I say the studies are showing around 
like three to four percent based on the history Mm -hmm. around three to four percent of individuals on death row are probably innocent. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that is something you have to seriously take into consideration. Um, And we can only hope that the justice system improves over the years to help prevent innocent people from getting on death row. But there's a lot that goes into that and things, you know, crime scenes can get contaminated, uh, evidence can get tampered with, you know, it's just... People can be framed. People make, yeah, people make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that's the human error of things is you have to take that into accountability. Yeah. Um, here's something that, you know, they have like, once you're on death row, 20 to 25 years until you're actually statistically put to death, if you ever are. We have a lot of people that are put on death row They never even get to be put to death and then they die. And then it's like 20 20 to 25 years before that day even comes. Um, So if you're going to file an appeal, you, I mean, I would say get busy because it, in, I feel like in the wait system, like in the jail system, you file, you appeal and you sit and wait for a whole year, two years, three years. And then that 20 to 25 years really isn't a long time to fight something if you are innocent Mm -hmm. before you're put to death. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like a long time, but not actually if you're the one sitting in jail because it's such a long process to go through to get to the next step where you see hope. I've been like wavering back and forth on this topic of where I stand and you know, I was thinking that you were talking about free will early earlier. And I was like, and you know, if you kill someone that the punishment is death, then I am now starting to feel and believe that at that time that you killed that person intentionally, you said yes to the death penalty mm-hmm. because everybody knows what the penalty is. Okay, so right then and there, they're saying, uh, "Kill me," right? Yeah. They're kind. Why? I mean, to I don't. To an extent. I mean, uh, unless it's just like they snapped or. Yeah. I but mean, premeditated. Well, they knew what the penalty was. Yeah, you, that's why I say you have to look at it from a case by case scenario because uh, there are some individuals that, when they're very young. Um, Teenagers uh, into their 20s, um, they just, if they don't come from a good home life and they end up on the streets and they just are in really bad situations, their judgment's off anyway. And whether they plan something or not, they, you know, there's the factor of did they become enraged and kill someone where it wasn't planned or did they plan it out? Or they were caught up at the wrong time, wrong place. Yeah. Or involved with the wrong Mm -hmm. people. Exactly. There's a lot of things you have to look at and take into consideration where if someone had a better situation or came from a better family background to an extent, maybe their circumstances would have been different. Now it doesn't excuse the fact of what they did or, or mean that it, 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 uh, they're right or wrong or whatever. It's, um, they still committed a, a violent crime or a murder and they should do the time for it. But now when you look at the situation, okay, well, we'll just send them to jail 
versus giving the death penalty because of the circumstance. You know, I, I think all that has to be taken into consideration. Let me ask you this. So I agree with you. It is circumstantial. But if you can definitely pinpoint the fact that it was premeditated, that's when I believe that these people knew that's what they're signing up for. Yeah. Now, somebody who snaps or has a mental illness or wrong place, wrong time, young, influenced by the wrong people, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, the, guy, the guy we did the podcast about, the, the guy in Colorado that killed his wife, he, uh, yeah, he pretty much premeditated that. Uh, and... You know, so I'm I'm thinking that guy probably deserves to die mm-hmm. uh, because he knew what he was doing was wrong. He had plenty of time to yeah. change his mind. And the fact that he killed his own kids and they were uh, it just blows my mind. But I also think you have to examine them mentally as well and look at their mental capacity, like what's going on with somebody to make them do something like that. Do they really know what they're doing or is there something, is there some kind of mental illness or something going on steering them in the wrong direction to make a terrible decision? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, and if, if, if someone admits guilt or, you know, DNA proves they did something, they committed the crime, uh, you know, then, I think you're. I think it probably um, justifies more going in the direction of the death penalty. Mm-hmm. And some individuals, if they admit the the crime, yeah, I did it. And some want to die. They're like, yeah, kill me. Mm-hmm. I, you know. And so, in those types of situations, I think you probably should lean more towards, okay, let's carry this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just think there's a lot of factors involved. Uh, and, and also there is the, um, aspect of rehabilitation. I mean, can someone in a bad circumstance who got caught up in the wrong place at the wrong time, who was committed at a very young age and after they've, they've been able to have counseling mm-hmm. and all these different things and educate themselves, uh, who look at things completely different and are remorseful. I think remorse is a, is a big factor too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then maybe you look at, uh, okay, not killing that person. Um, it's it's a tough, like I said, it's a tough uh, decision to make, and there's a lot of factors that come into play. Let me ask you this. What if, what do you think it would look like, say we decide to remove the death penalty? Mm-hmm. What do you think the crime situation would look like? How much do you think it would be impacted? Do you think we'll see a rise in crime because we don't see even that as an option? Like, would that would that make people more apt to kill when there's nothing at stake to that point? Like, we're you know what I mean? Like, I if we get rid of it, is it going to make things worse? Well, I, I don't really know. Obviously. This isn't my area of expertise. Uh, my opinion would but say... But I mean, come on. Like, if you right. have consequences, Ezra, and you're yeah, like, opi- if I do this, I'll die. Or if I do this, uh, I'm just going to jail. Would you be more apt to commit the crime? My opinion is no. I think... I don't think crime would go up. Uh, and I don't think the death penalty causes crime, murders to go down. I think people just do what they do because of who they are and the situation they're in. I mean, look at Indianapolis, for example. 
Uh, every year we're pushing the envelope of homicides um, in the inner city. Uh, you know, I mean, Indiana has, we have the death penalty here. Um, now, I don't know when the last time it was actually carried out. I, I didn't do much research on Indiana. Um, but I think uh, throughout the country, I think there has, there's been a, a lot, the executions have been in decline for the last 10 years. People are veering away from it. But uh, Indiana has the death penalty, but murders in Indianapolis seem to be on the rise. Mm-hmm. So I don't think individuals really take that into consideration. Well, you're saying it's on the rise with the death penalty. What happens? I, I understand what you're saying. You don't think I, it'll change. I just think, I think it could increase. It could. It's kind of like it it, when we punish our kids. Like, I'm going to send you to your room for five minutes or I'm going to take away your phone. Yeah, it could. Like, I mean, it she's going to act differently based on the consequences of her actions. When mm-hmm. I tell her what the consequences are, yeah. I feel like it is impactful. Yeah, uh, it could go up. I personally don't. I think it would stay the same simply because I don't think these and a lot of these uh, homicides that are occurring in um, Indianapolis are uh, young kids under the age of 25. I just don't think they take into anything into consideration, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think it, it, whether it be death penalty and a lot of these kids in certain situations, they think they're going to die. They think they're going to be shot on this street. anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, all that goes right out the window. And I think, what do you, what do you say to these, these um, people that are in jail who are telling people that, they they got in trouble on purpose when they got out of jail to get back in jail because they had a better life in jail. They got more food in jail and they didn't mind it. Mm, yeah, I think there's uh, something there, wrong with that. I don't like some, that. There is some truth to that. And it's where the rehabilitation process in jail fails, uh, because if someone goes to jail and say they're not going for life or, you know, they have a five year sentence or something. There needs to be things in jail to help prepare them to get back out into the real world to where they can get a job. You know, and it goes back to people have a hard time finding jobs when they have felonies, you know, on their record. And, um, you know, it's there's a lot of things that need to be taken into consideration. And, and we could go in a lot of different directions and a lot of different topics. But, um, you know, as far as the, the death penalty goes, I don't know that when someone is in the act they're thinking oh i better not pull the trigger because i might get the death penalty i think unless it's premeditated (laughs) i think most i i would say that i think most individuals who commit that type of crime think think they're going to get away with it Hmm. Mm -hmm. and then they're going to do it again Oh, yeah. I mean, we probably have serial killers running around Indianapolis right now yeah. based on mm-hmm. the number of homicides. I mean, you know, the the mentality of the streets on Indianapolis is it's it's gangbang city. We're, you know, we're living and dying by the gun out here. And it's unfortunate, but it's it's a hard, hard reality. I don't want to get too deep um, into two of these stories, but in my life immediately, I've had some. Um, things that have surrounded me at a very young age, and um, with that, I'm not, I, and I'm not going to say any names without that person's permission. Um, so I, there was a murder immediately um, around our family, um, and so that impacted me at a young age. 
I don't know if it was premeditated or a snap, um, but that person is still in jail. The other one was about two years ago, three years ago it's been, a guy had gotten out, he had been in jail for seven years, then he went to a halfway house and was working and employed doing construction. My office was in the process of um, being finished out and we have you know the old bricks in the building and so uh, he was hired through a project manager to come in and sweep the bricks um, and get it ready for the grand opening. He came up to me and I was at my car and he, you know, I was unloading, unloading some things and he asked if he could help me in. And I thought he was a very nice guy. And he helped me carry some stuff from Sam's Club because we were having a big party. And um, my daughter was upstairs in the upper level of the office. And uh, when we got up there with the stuff, he, you know, bent down on his knees and talked to her. Um, and then my husband came out of his office and he shook his hand. And um, the rest of the day, he probably, while he's doing work in our office, stopped in my office probably a couple of times just to see if I needed anything. And I did find that kind of weird, actually kind of really weird because, you know, he's there to do a job. We have a grand opening that night. And the next day, my husband goes in and he is FaceTiming me. So it's after our party the next day. He's the only one that goes in. And there are, I had gotten a lot of flowers. There are roses going all the way up to my office, like petals. And then we got in my office, there was a bed made. And A bed? Wait, what? Okay, so in my office, I had a couch okay. and my desk. And I had like four windows, big, beautiful windows with, with curtains. And so he's like videoing. And while we're on the phone, he's like, what is going on? And I'm like seeing all this. On my floor, he had put the um, the pillows on the couch on the floor with a blanket. Um, he had hid multiple knives under oh the God. couch within around my computer. He had taken my curtains and made them into restraints. He had wrote, wrote a note, um, and he used jail term. And um, I can't remember exactly what it said, but we had to get it like transcribed. But it was something you say in jail about if you kill somebody and not revealing who killed. Wait, there's a jail, there's jail term. There's a jail term. I mean, like, so it's a gang prisoners, term. Prisoners have their own dialogue. They so do, they do, and he wrote it. Um, so, long story short, he he's back in jail for another seven. Now, he went, he was in jail and he went to the halfway house. He was a very nice guy. I could, I, I trusted this person. Like, honestly, I, he seemed very normal. I had no idea about his history. He was going to, you know, the witnesses say that he had kept saying he was going to have sex with me. Um, so clearly he was going to rape me. Don't know why you need a knife and restraints and all that. So I probably... He could have killed me. Mm. This guy did not need to be on the streets. Well, and you say he was in jail before. Mm -hmm. What was he in jail for for that? Um, breaking and entering, um, meth. Um, he had a a good record. Mm. But so I didn't want to share this story for any other reason than I'm sure everybody. I 
I was deceived by this person and then he was going to commit again. Mm. That's scary. How old do you think the guy was? Mm, He was about 32. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think there's a... How uh, many of these people are like walking around out there? Right. I I think there are individuals out there that, uh, you know... That might be beyond rehabilitation. And then you have to decide, you know, in in a situation like that where you've got a repeat offender, okay? Uh, You know, those when you're dealing with repeat offenders, there's a point where there needs to be a decision made where that person needs to be locked up for probably the rest of their life, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But then you... Well, that's a crazy story to begin with. I didn't even know. I didn't. You never told me that, so sorry to hear about that. Yeah. That was probably uh, very traumatizing. I'm sure. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Uh, wow. My husband was very, and my kids were very scared. Oh yeah. I mean, that's crazy, man. That's like, that's like psychotic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so, yeah, it's, um, you know, there there is that demographic of people um, out there that just don't, man, they're just, and again, I think it goes to mental health, mental health ties into it. And I think, you know, there, I think there are people out there that are just evil mm-hmm. and they just don't know any other way. It's all they know. And, may, and they're probably beyond re- rehabilitation. Yeah. They need uh, to stay in jail. Exactly. Uh, uh what about, how do you feel about the executioner? Uh, you mean the person that carries out the act? Yes. Like the person that has that job, like what do you, like are they? There was a, I watched a documentary one time. So. No. <laughs> surprise, surprise. So every episode uh, we hear about documentaries and, uh, we watch. I can't remember which one it was. I've watched so many, man. My brain is just... Uh, my brain is just a cesspool of <laughs> documentary. And they're all like meshing uh, together. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, well, in the documentary, it was a documentary about the death penalty, and they actually interviewed a, an executioner. He was the guy that flipped the switch. Mm-hmm. And he was a little odd. Oh, really? <laughs> he was, yeah. You, uh, you Wait, why? Because he just, I mean, he had killed. I don't remember the number of people, but I mean, he had killed probably 30 people in his lifetime by flipping the switch. So are you and, saying he's odd because he could flip the switch? Well, he was odd in a, in a fa- in the sense of he didn't really show emotion about mm-hmm. anything. Like mm-hmm. he seemed dead inside. <laughs> well, I'm sure after you flip that switch so many yeah, times you are. Exactly. I think it. Well, that, you definitely don't want to see him like smile after he does it. Well, no, but it, he just basically acted like. You know, because I think they pre- they uh, presented the question to him of, you know, how do you feel that there may have been a couple individuals that were actually really innocent that you pulled the switch on? And he's like, he didn't care. He's like, if they're convicted, I'm frying them is basically what he oh, said. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I think So do you think, think it, that he's, um, if you get that job and you're employed by the state and you're the one flipping the switch... Do you think that is a moral interference or do you think it's separate because you're just doing a job? Uh, 
that's a tough one too. I mean, I guess somebody's got to do it. Uh, but this individual, he just he almost acted like he enjoyed it in a sense, which was kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, now uh, that's the only interview I've ever seen with someone that that was their job. Uh, you know, others out there, I don't know. I, you know, I definitely. Because I think about that too. I was. I think about well, what if I was the one that actually had to pull the switch, or I had to. I had to push the button to inject the, the, uh, the chemical into their body mm. that's going to kill them, or or whatever. You know, it's, uh, it's tough. It's um, it's a, uh, it's a moral. Uh, as far as your moral compass goes, it, I mean, it's up there because you're you're taking a life, and that's sort of, in my opinion, that might be the ultimate crime. Perhaps, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, again, you're looking at, OK, well, if this person murdered someone or whatever, you know, then is it justifiable? I think. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, Ezra. Do you. We, we've been hearing a lot about the botched um, death penalty, you know, the lethal injections going wrong and that people are suffering at the time of death. Okay, so let's say we do agree with the death penalty, right? So me and you are just going to pretend right now that we are on that page. If we had to pick a way that a person should die, do you have a way that you, the lethal injection or the electric chair, that there's to be no torture or um, they're not to suffer, but we have been seeing that people are suffering through the lethal injection and it could take up to an hour for them to die. What do you think is the way, the most humane way for a person to go if it has to be done? I don't know. I mean, I probably lethal injection. Um, and I don't know the, the process of that. I mean, do they put someone under? Yes. Because if, if someone's unconscious, then are they really suffering? I guess is what I'm asking. So me and my husband just watched, uh, a lethal injection take place, um, PS on TV, uh, just to do some research here, but it was a lethal injection gone wrong. There's three components, um, that happened during that time that, you know, they bring the prisoner in, um, the one we watched, they went ahead and got the IV put in. They were having some complications, whatever. The first dose they give is something it's either, uh, you know, it's kind of like, um, where you're under, but you're not completely under. Um, and then the next, they, they keep up in these three different levels to where once the drug gets in him, it's supposed to immediately kill him. Well, there's been a lot of backfire and this guy we watched took a very long time to die. Um, and they, he woke up after they said he was out, he wasn't out his family was on the other side watching this happen, and it was very, very disturbing. And I, I think I already told you about some of this, that like me and my husband can watch some of it. I wanted to watch to know, you know, what it is that we're actually doing, and it was very tough to watch. And mm-hmm. so when I saw that, that's not humane, mm-hmm. right? And he shouldn't be tortured. If he's getting the death penalty, then kill him and be done. Yeah. Not put him through that or the family, mm-hmm. but so they're he, looking at switching so the drugs. So did they pronounce him dead, and then he came? He woke up. So you go into like a state, uh, conscience, like they give you something to where you're out, like sleeping, like when you have surgery. 
mm-hmm. before they administer. Okay. Yeah. So they they did that, and they thought he was out. Well, he wasn't, and they were giving him the drug, and so mm-hmm. he was, you know, he was in a lot of pain. He was trying to come off the table. His eyes were open. It was very sad to watch. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, just, I don't know, you know, what the answer is on the best if you're going to do it. They're looking at actually now we're having problems, you know, getting people that are on death row uh, the lethal injection because we've had so many complications with the drugs that now they're looking at fentanyl mm. to be a possibility. Um, and we know fentanyl kills, right? So, um, and did you know, um, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, day before somebody had applied or, um, spoke about a bill being passed that if you're caught dealing fentanyl, that the death penalty could be come upon you because it's Hmm. killing hundreds of thousands of people here in the U S. Um, that's interesting. I don't know if it'll pass, but well, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I also think, yeah, I think if you need to find the most humane way possible to put someone to death, if that's the route they're going to go. And, you know, obviously you don't want to see those kind of botched um, lethal injections and things like that. So they need to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Especially. So how do you feel about people being able to watch that type of thing? Yeah, I, I find it very bizarre. I mean, oftentimes I think I always hear about the families, want, some of the families want to witness it. And, and I think. And the, the victim's family, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I could watch that if someone I knew was being put to death. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, but I think the families need to be taken into consideration as well because it's their loved one that they lost. And how they want to proceed, you know, I definitely think that needs to be taken into consideration. Uh, you know, and and being able to view it, I think that's um, something too that I think maybe if the the victim's family wants to watch, I think maybe they should be given that option. But I'm not sure about um, other people. You know, I don't know. That's sort of um, an interesting topic as well. But I also do know that the death penalty can play a role in negotiating with the criminal. Yeah, it's a bargaining tool. Yeah. So, you know, basically, if say you're dealing with a serial killer who you think has maybe murdered 30 people, but you've only convicted him on 10, mm-hmm. you know, you can use it as a, a negotiating and say, hey, you know, we'll we'll take the death penalty off the table if you tell us where the rest of the bodies are or whatever. Right, so they can get closure for those families. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, you know, that's sort of something to keep in mind, too. Uh, no, you just hit the nail on the head. There's a prosecutor. I think he's out in Texas, but he is not for the death penalty. Um, but, however, he very much uses that as leverage yeah. To get, and you know, you won't get the death penalty if you plead guilty and give us what we need. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's something to take into consideration, too. So uh, through some of the, the little bit of the research I've done that it's far more expensive dealing with death penalty cases and keeping someone on death row versus just putting someone in prison for life. So there is a cost aspect 
there too because Millions. it's taxpayer yeah, yeah it's taxpayer dollars uh, that are being used to foot, foot the bill for all that so I don't know so basically up to this uh, point wait I have let me get you a number since you're talking about this 40 million from 1997 to 2016 was how much has been spent on the the death penalty and that was just in Utah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a wide range of costs. I've even read somewhere up to $90 million. Yeah, that was just Utah. Uh, yeah. And the, the United States seems to be split because I think we're, uh, there's 27 states that allow the death penalty and 23 that don't. So, the, you know, we're kind of split down the middle as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. But most states that allow the death penalty, it's been on the decline they seem to be uh, steering away from it. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. So basically, up to this point of our discussion, I'm probably still in the undecided. same boat of undecided. I think there's probably certain circumstances and situations that I would probably be in favor of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably overall, I would say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you seen the movie Eye for an Eye with um, Sally Fields? No. Oh, you got to watch it. It is so good. I, I want to say something about it, but I, I'll give something away. But oh, I do you want you to watch it. it. Okay. No, it is very good. Um, and, and it's a true story. So you got to watch it. Okay. Okay. So something to think about because me and you are on the fence about, you know, not sure where we stand. And if it hit home personally with us, it could change our mind. But, you, you know, we're out where we are and we're not sure, but there, I do want to say, and you guys can go on YouTube and watch this, but there was an inmate and his name was Scott Dozer. He was on death row and he had been sentenced to death and it was dragging out and dragging out and dragging out. Well, Scott kept going to the courts and saying, let's get this done. You sentenced me to death. Let's get it done. And so many times he got there, he got in the cell, he got right in front of that chair, and then something would happen where they would cancel, you know, the lethal injection. Well, there were some interviews, and I'm saying you can go watch watch this, um, because he talks about he would all day long prefer just to be put out of his misery and die than be in jail. So that tells me that we're seeing two different types of systems out there. We have these people that we talked about earlier who think that some, and I don't know if every jail is different, but find the accommodation satisfying or okay to be in. But then you have a guy like Scott Dozer who says, and maybe it's because it's death row, like he can't stand it any longer. Anyways, long story short, Scott ends up taking his life himself because the, the state won't complete the task. Um, and, it's interesting watching his interviews and he seems very smart, educated and, um, his words are powerful in what he says. As far as when I watched it, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it, but he believes he deserved the death penalty if he was the one that committed the crime. However, he says he did not, Mm. but, um, what was the crime he committed? Scott was definitely guilty of drug dealing, but he was tied to, I believe that there were two bodies um, that they found uh, and maybe in a dumpster, forgive me if I'm wrong in this, and and like, you know, it was pretty, uh, 
but he said that he was guilty of one thing, but absolutely would never do anything like that. Um, so who knows? I don't know. Uh, but you know, jail, is it worse to Scott? Jail's worse than death. So he was going to get out by death, you know? Maybe his punishment, if he really did do it, should have been to sit in jail because he was so miserable. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's something to look at, too, is some individuals think spending the rest of their life in prison is worse than death. Mm -hmm. And that's probably how it should be. Right. In a sense that, you know, if you're going to do certain things in society and you can't get along with others, so to speak, Mm -hmm. then you need to go somewhere where you can't harm other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. All right, Dave. You got anything else? Uh, No. What a depressing topic. I'm ready to wrap this one up. Are you depressed about it? Yeah, I need to (laughs) go home and think about my life. (laughs) It is sad, actually. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to be done with this one, too. It's one of those... uh, Scenarios that it's just tragic, ultimately for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, it, and it's unfortunate those types of things happen, but you know, it's just there's evil and bad things that happen in life, um, and then you're left with the with the dis, the task of what do we do? Mm-hmm. You know, within when people are divided, that's really hard to yeah. come up with an answer. Yeah. All right, well, uh, I think we've closed up this chapter Amen. of the Philippines. Amen. <laughs> uh, so hopefully uh, we'll, we'll have a little more lighthearted. Yeah, maybe the next, next one next will time. be more uplifting. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. You guys, you know what? You can email us at uh, hfbeans at gmail.com. Also, if you want to join our group, we're on Facebook, Hill of Beans with Ezra and Casey. We'd love to get some feedback from you. See you next time on our next episode of Hill of Beans.